We want to continue in the series that we started uh, several weeks ago dealing with the minor prophets. We have entitled this Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Uh, forgive me for repeating myself, but you never know who's here. And now that we record these and uh, put them on uh, our podcast, uh, you never know who's listening to this from other places. We call them the minor prophets, not because uh, there is anything deficient about uh, the message that is contained within the book. We call them the minor prophets simply because, uh, for the most part, the books are shorter than uh, most of the books that we call the major prophets. Uh, with the exception of Lamentations, which is only three chapters in length and is listed among the major prophets, uh, all of the major prophet uh, books, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, and Daniel, are much longer than these books. Uh, so they're called minor uh, only because of their brevity, their relative brevity, as opposed to the major books. Um, also, you should know that uh, in many cases, these uh, minor prophets were contemporaries of the uh, prophets that we call the major prophets. Again, uh, that would be uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Lamentations is included as a book of major prophecy, but Lamentations is an appendage to the book of Jeremiah. It's, it's, it's a three-chapter appendage to that book. But there are four uh, prophets that we consider to be major prophet writers. And many of these minor prophets were contemporaries of that time. Uh, and so uh, they would cover the same themes. Uh, the last time that we were actually together to talk about this, uh, we ended up talking uh, about Jonah. And uh, we, we, we covered the whole story of Jonah because Jonah is one of those books. And, and we said when we started, we weren't going to do this in an exegetical style and cover every facet. But with Jonah, we did because Jonah's story was unique in that Jonah was not uh, a prophetic word uh, from the prophet to a group of people. More so, it was a story regarding Jonah's life and Jonah's relationship with God. Uh, God tells Jonah to go someplace. Jonah says, no, I'm going someplace else. God uh, causes a correction in Jonah's plans and has him thrown overboard, and he spends three days in the belly of a great fish uh, where he asks for God to deliver him, never repents of his rebellion. Never says, I was wrong, never says, I'm sorry, never says, I won't do it again. But he asks, can you get me out of the fish? And uh, God uh, eventually uh, has the fish to spit him up. And uh, he then does what God told him to do. Didn't want to do it, but he did it. And then he gets angry with God because God did what Jonah did not want him to do, and that is he spared the city of Nineveh. So we, we dealt with that whole story because it was a, a picture of the life of Jonah and his relationship with God. In much the same way, we move tonight to Hosea. So I invite your attention to Hosea chapter 1. And while this is not true of the entire book of Hosea, it is certainly true of the early part of Hosea. And I want us to look at Hosea chapter 1, and uh, we may get into chapter 2 uh, before we are done. Much like what we just described about Jonah, uh, Hosea uh, finds that his life is used as an object lesson by God. And specifically, God uses uh, a metaphor, a marriage metaphor, uh, that is designed to accomplish a specific thing. What is it designed to accomplish? It's designed to explain the depths of God's love for ancient Israel by using marriage as a representation of the relationship 
between God and humanity. So, this first chapter deals with a marriage metaphor. It employs language that is blunt, straight to the point, and in some ways even offensive in order to underscore the length, the breadth, and the depth of God's love for Israel. Start reading with Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. This is God's message to Hosea, son of Beeri. It came to him during the royal reigns of Judah's kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. This was also the time that Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king over Israel. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, Find a whore and marry her. Make this whore the mother of your children. And here's why. The whole country has become a whorehouse. Unfaithful to me. God. Hosea did it. He picked Goma, daughter of Diblain. She got pregnant and gave him a son. Then God told him, name him Jezreel. It won't be long now before I'll make the people of Israel pay for the massacre at Jezreel. I'm calling it quits on the kingdom of Israel. Payday is coming. I'm going to chop Israel's bows and arrows into kindling in the valley of Jezreel. Goma got pregnant again. This time she had a daughter. God told Hosea, name this one no mercy. I'm fed up with Israel. I've run out of mercy. There's no more forgiveness. Judah's another story. I'll continue having mercy on them. I'll save them. It will be their God who saves them, not their armaments and armies, not their horsepower and manpower. After Goma had weaned no mercy, she got pregnant yet again and had a son. God said, name him nobody. You've become nobodies to me. And I, God, am a nobody to you. But down the road, the population of Israel is going to explode past counting like sand on the ocean beaches. In the very place where they were once named nobody, they will be named God's somebody. Everybody in Judah and everybody in Israel will be assembled as one people. They'll choose a single leader. There'll be no stopping them a great day in Jezreel. Interesting, isn't it? When you go looking for a spouse, typically speaking, you don't go looking for a whore. When, 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 when you go looking for someone that you're going to share your life with. Generally speaking, whores are not high on the list. And to be fair, and to be technically accurate, neither are whoremongers. If you don't know the difference, then you need to go back to an English class. A whore is, is a derogatory term reserved for a woman. A whoremonger is a derogatory term reserved for a man. Much like, and, and, and I know we've gotten away from this in our grammar, much like widow refers to a woman who has lost her husband, and widower is a reference to a man who has lost his wife. Some people don't make those distinctions anymore. But specifically, when God says to Hosea, go find a whore and marry her, he's telling Hosea to do something that would not be normal for Hosea to do. 
And so it begs the question, why would God tell this fine, upstanding prophet servant of his to go out and marry a whore? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the answer is right there in the text. It says, make this whore the mother of your children. And here's why. The whole country has become a whorehouse. Unfaithful to me. Think about that. God is using a metaphor in Hosea's life. Well, for Hosea, it ain't a metaphor. It's a real-life experience. But he's using Hosea's real-life experience as a metaphor for the relationship that he has with his people. And he is saying, I want you to marry a whore because that's what you have been to me. You've been unfaithful. You, 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 have, you have been wanton. You have been loose. You have been common. You have been low. You have been base. You don't use the word whore just throwing it around. Whore is not a, is not a word. You know, if, if somebody was unfaithful one time, you might call them a whore in the fit of rage, but, but that's not really what you meant. Whore means that you've done it over and over and over and over and over. Go and find a whore. Some, some, some people clean it up and say, go find a prostitute. But, 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 but the word whore is, is better. Better in, in what way? Better in what it's trying to describe. It's trying to describe someone who has been repeatedly unfaithful. God says, I want you to marry a whore because that's what Israel has been to me. A whore. Unfaithful to me question are we guilty of being unfaithful to God would God be justified if he were to describe you as a whore Well, let, let, let's study that for a second. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Which means that when you put your spouse, when you put your parents, when you put your children, when you put your friends, when you put your job, when you put your career, when you put your aspirations ahead of God, you have set up an idol. You have set up someone who takes superiority over God in your priority, in your affection. And when you do that, every time you do that, because you don't just do it one time. You do it, you do it more than once. Every time you do that, you're unfaithful to God. Would God be justified in calling you what he describes Israel as being? You shall not make unto me any graven images. You know them crosses y'all put on your necks? Them, 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 them emblems that you put all over the place that, that are so important to you that, 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 that you worship the emblem more than you worship the Lord? 
that's a graven image. Every time you do that, as often as you do that, you're guilty of unfaithfulness. I can go through the whole Ten Commandments, and I'd have you, oh, 70, 80, 90 times this week. Forget about last week. This week, I'd have you 70, 80, 90 times. Especially when you got down to the part about not bearing false witness. That means don't lie. Do you know that every time you lie, every time, every time you lie, you're bearing false witness? And, and I'm using these because y'all like the Ten Commandments, so I'm, I'm, I'm using the Ten Commandments. You shall not kill. And you're going to say, well, I'm, 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 I'm good on that one. I ain't, I ain't murdered nobody <laughs> this way. Well, Jesus says that if you call your brother a fool, it is the equivalent of killing him. So, how many times have you called somebody a fool? Thou shalt not commit adultery. All right, now, we're already in, in, in that whoredom category. So, so here you come with adultery. Jesus says you don't even have to commit adultery. You just have to want to do it. He says if you look upon another with lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. You shall not covet. That means that everything that belongs to somebody else, you should not want it for yourself. How y'all doing? Question. Would God be justified if he said to us that you have been unfaithful to him? Well, we, we, we're not Old Testament Christians, right? We, we, we're New Testament. Okay. Let's jump over to the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's the key. All. He doesn't say some. He doesn't say a little bit. He doesn't say most. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How you doing? And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And somebody asked, well, who is my neighbor? And that's when he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Which the, the moral of the story is everybody's your neighbor. Not, not just the folk that you like, not just the folk who live in close geographic proximity to you. Everyone is your neighbor. So, you didn't do so well on, on, on the Old Testament part of the quiz. How'd you do on the New Testament part? Questions are much more brief, ain't, ain't but two. How'd you do on those? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Are we guilty? Would God be justified? Would he be correct? Would he be accurate if he were to describe us as being unfaithful to him? You need to see that. You need to see yourself. You, you need to see you in this. See, next thing you're going to read is Hosea went out and found Goma. Can I suggest to you that for most of us, somebody in here might think he's purer than the driven snow. For most of us, our name is Gomer. Whatever your name is, whatever name your parents gave you, your name is Gomer. 
My name is Fred Jeff Gomer Smith. Because Goma is the whore in the text. But I've been the whore. I've been unfaithful. I have done wrong to God. Understand something. God is saying something. We, we focus in on the whore part. That's what I've focused in on for the last 20 minutes. God is saying something else that's even more important than the whore part. God is saying that you're in a marriage with him. That, that, that's why he's telling Hosea to go out and find someone to marry. He's saying that I need you to be in a relationship that's akin to the relationship that I have with you. We in a marriage. You're married to God. You, you, you are in a committed relationship with God. And as a Christian, everybody in here is a Christian, right? Everybody who made that decision, you made it on your own. God doesn't make anybody come to him. You have free moral agency. If you come to him, you come on your own. It's like when, when, when somebody gets down on one knee and opens up a box and there's a ring in it and it says, will you marry me? Don't nobody make you say yes? Oh, they try to. They put you in a room with 300 people where if you say no, it looks bad. But the truth of the matter is, nobody makes you marry. This is not medieval times. Nobody stands over you and makes you marry somebody. You choose. You choose to be with the person that you are with in the life that you are in. And it's a committed relationship. Do you take this person to be your lawfully wedded spouse, to love and to cherish from this day forward, for better or worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others till death do you part. And then you say, I do. It's a, it, it, it's a voluntarily committed relationship. So when you, when you make that promise, and then once the ceremony is over, you go and do something else. Are you not guilty of being unfaithful to the one that you made the promise to? Well, when you come to Jesus, you make a commitment. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely Give, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I'm giving him my heart and my soul and my life. I want him to be the Lord of my life. He saved my soul. I want him to be the Lord of my life. By the way, there's a difference between Savior and Lord. Savior means one thing. Lord means something else. Jesus is our savior because of the, the, the atoning work that he does at Calvary. We, we, we started Lent today. We, we, we moved into the Lenten season today. 40 days from today, we're going to celebrate the triumphant resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. But before there was a resurrection, there was a crucifixion. And, and, and it was in the crucifixion of Jesus that our sin was atoned for. It, it was in his death that our sin was atoned for. That's what makes him our savior. What makes him our Lord is when we embrace him as first in our lives and we make the commitment that we will do what he says do. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. 
Nobody makes you do that. You do that on your own. I tell folk all the time, your parents can make you come down the aisle and get baptized, but they can't make you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. They, they can, the preacher can make sure you get wet, but that's not the same as a commitment. The commitment has to come from you. Once you make that commitment, you're in a marriage with God. You're not in a marriage with God because he made you. Paul makes a, a, a grand distinction between those who are saved and those who are not. Paul says in Galatians that those who are not saved are the creation of God. But those who are saved are the children of God. There is a difference between being a creation and being a child. Once, once we come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and we make him Lord of our lives, then we become his children. We become his property. We become his heir. We make a commitment to him. And when you go back on the commitment, you're guilty of adultery. You're guilty of unfaithfulness. And if you do it enough times, if you do it with regularity, then God is justified in calling you a whore. Hosea, go and find a whore and make her your wife. Go and find you a whore, make her your wife, and have a child with her. He ups it. Bad enough, he says, marry. Now, now he says, have children with her. You know, the, the marriage relationship is one thing, but, but when the marriage relationship is blessed with offspring, that's something else. Because it heightens the level of the commitment. Even if you don't like each other anymore, there's still a commitment there. Because the commitment is to the child. It's not enough for you to marry her. Go have children with her. And Hosea dutifully, obediently, does what God says do. He goes out and finds this woman whose name is Goma. And he proceeds to bring her into his home. And he proceeds to have a child with her. Somebody ought to be saying, wait a minute. You just read the text and it says there were three children. And you would be correct. But here's the thing. Only one of the three was Hosea's child. Go back and read it. Look at verse 3. Hosea did it. He picked Goma, daughter of Diblaim. She got pregnant and gave him a son. Do you see that? Okay, skip over to verse 6. Goma got pregnant again. This time she had a daughter. Name this one No Mercy. What's the distinction between the announcement in verse 6 and the announcement in verse 3? Here it is. In verse 3, it says she gave him a son. In verse 6, it says she got pregnant. Do you see that? Look at verse 8. After Goma had weaned no mercy, she got pregnant yet again and had a son. Well, 
the, the announcement in verse 8 is very similar to the announcement in verse 6 and very different from the announcement in verse 3. Because in verse 3, it says she had his child. In verses 6 and 8, it says she had a child. That's not by accident. The writer is saying something important. The writer is saying something significant. The writer is saying that even though Hosea picked up a woman from off the streets, a woman that by every definition was a whore, and brought her into his house and took good care of her, Stop going around. She cut it out for a little while. But she couldn't stay with it cutting out. Y'all ought to know something about that, right? Y'all remember what it was like when y'all first came to Jesus? And how much you loved the Lord, I love the Lord, he heard my cry. Long as I live in troubles rise. Y'all, 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 y'all remember that? Y'all remember singing that? Y'all remember getting happy off that? Y'all remember when somebody asked you how you were doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Y'all remember all that? That's when it was new. That's when it was fresh as a penny. Church started at 8. You were here at 7.15. In the parking lot waiting for the door to be unlocked. You joined the choir, the usher ministry, the deaconess ministry, the mission society. You joined everything there was to join because you were so excited about being God's child. And for a while, you did right. For a while, you ain't tell no lies. Somebody asked you something, rather than lie, you just wouldn't say anything at all. Then after a while, the new wears off. And when the new wore off, You went back to doing stuff that you used to do. Y'all don't like it that I'm talking about church. Okay, let me me put it on something else. It is March 6th, right? In the year of our Lord, 2019. Anybody in here on January 1st promise you were going to lose weight? Promise you were going to diet? Promise you were going to eat healthy. Promise you were going to leave all the sweets alone. Promise you were going to, 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 to exercise. Went and gave some gym your money. That was January 1. Here we are on March 6th. And you're back to eating Oreos and Chips Ahoy and Bluebell. And the gym says, look for me. I got news for you. The gym don't care whether or not you show up. That's why they get the bank draft, because they, they, all they want is your money. You had such good intentions in January. And you did fine for maybe a week. Some of y'all maybe two. Some of y'all might have made it all the way through January. But here we are on March 6th. The gym 
ain't seen you. You eating everything you can put your hands on. That walking thing that you said you were going to do. Your walking is from the kitchen to the bedroom. And nowhere else. Goma. Did fine for a while. She recognized that, that this is a good opportunity. Hosea is a good man. Hosea can help me to be respectable. Now, don't look at this from a sexist point of view, because y'all going to sit up here and say, I don't need a man to make me respectable. You're missing the point. If that's all you, if that's all you hear, you have missed the point. Because this isn't, this isn't about female and male. This is about you and God. You might not need a man to make you respectable, but you know who you need to make you respectable? God. It's God who makes you respectable. It's God who, who elevates you from where you were. I said this to the group at 12. Do you know what you are? Scripture tells you what you are. You are dust. You ain't even dirt. Y'all like the King James Version so much. King James Version doesn't use dirt, doesn't use clay. You know what it says you are? Dust. That's what you are. God took you from dust. Formed you with his own hand. Breathed into your nostrils. And made you a living soul. God made you respectable. God made you so respectable that, that the question is asked, what is man? God, what is man that you are so mindful of him, that you care about him so much? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That ain't because of you. That's because of your connection with God. You need God to be respectable. Because without God, ain't much to you. Goma did fine for a while. She, she recognized that she had a good deal. She had a good thing. Jose is a good fella. He's going to do right by me. She was sleeping in a house, eating at Hosea's table, wearing clothes that Hosea bought for her, shoes on her feet that Hosea provided. Who woke you up this morning? You didn't do it. If you think you did, you got an ego problem. You didn't wake you up this morning. And the alarm clock didn't wake you up this morning. And whoever poked you didn't wake you up this morning because somebody got poked this morning and they didn't move. God woke you up this morning. God started you on your way. The activity of your limbs is due to God. The health in your body, the ability to inhale and exhale is because of God. When you went to your closet, you had something to put on. God. When you went to your kitchen cupboard, there was something in there for you to eat. God. When you went outside, there was something for you to ride in. God. And you had somewhere to go. God. And he kept you the whole time you were there. God. God made you respectable. God keeps you respectable. Here's the question. What are you doing for him? Goma did fine for a while. She did fine for about nine months. She had Jezreel. 
And Jezreel was Hosea's child because it says she gave him a son. But when it came to these other two, Lo-Ruhama, which means no mercy, and Lo-Ami, which means not my people, these are products of an adulterous relationship. Point that you need to understand. Every time you commit adultery, you produce something. Every time you go back on your word with God, every time you're unfaithful to God, you produce something. I ain't not, it's not always a baby, but you're producing something. You're producing friction. You're producing animosity. You're producing estrangement. Let me, let me make something clear to you. When, if you are estranged from God, it's because you moved away from him. Not because he moved away from you. God doesn't, doesn't move away. It's God's desire, it's God's goal, not to get farther away from you, but to get closer to you. So every time you are unfaithful, every time you commit adultery, you are moving away from him. And that estrangement is problematic. Because the farther away you get from God, the less influence he has over your behavior and your thinking. You remember when you, because most of y'all in here are, are, are well past school age. Do, do you remember when your parents were watching over you and you behaved one way? But as soon as you got out of their sight, you started behaving a different kind of way. As long as mama and daddy could see you, you knew that you better behave a certain kind. And Lord, if you got caught behaving the wrong way and they showed up, some friend better whisper, your mama's behind you. Your daddy's behind you. That's the way we are with God. When, 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 when we make these moves, when we make these adulterous moves and, and, and we, we lengthen the distance between us and God, we limit his influence over us. When you decide on Sunday morning, I ain't going to church. I'm not going to worship today. Not because I'm sick, just because I don't feel like going. You're, 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 you're lengthening the estrangement and it has problems because every time you do that it, it makes it easier to do it the next time it comes. And pretty soon somebody asks you when's the last time you went to church? Baby I don't know when the last time I was there. It, 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 it causes changes in your behavior. Goma, for whatever reason, decided I ain't going to be to Hosea what I promised I was going to be. Now, here's the thing. She was that to somebody. Or else she wouldn't have had two more children. You get that? She was that. She made Hosea a promise that she did not keep. But it did not mean that she wasn't going to do nothing. It just meant that she wasn't going to do it with the one that she was supposed to be doing it with. When, 
When you make God a promise and you go back on it, that just means that you're doing it with somebody else. Somebody else has your attention. Somebody else has enticed you. Somebody else has gotten to you. Somebody else has drawn you in. Somebody else has seduced you. And before you know it, you caught doing with somebody else what you should be doing with the Lord. Fred, you just said something. You doing with somebody else what you ought to be doing with the Lord. In Genesis chapter 2, God says to the man and the woman, everything in the garden is free for you to have. Everything is at your disposal. You can have of anything and everything in the garden. I've made you in charge of it. You, you, you're over it. You, 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 you are the boss of the garden and you can have anything in there that you want as much of it as you want just leave that tree there alone now you can have anything else in here as long as you don't mess with that now the day you mess with that we got a problem what is it about us that God can say you can have anything but one thing. And the one thing that he says you can't have is the thing that we want the most. What what is it in our nature that makes us like that? God says you can have anything in the garden, but leave that tree alone. And the serpent comes upon the woman with her husband next to her. And says, it's okay to have it. It's all right. I know what God said, but I'm telling you, it's all right. I'm telling you, God lied to you. I'm telling you that if you take of that, you ain't going to die. I'm telling you if you take of that, you're going to be okay. And the woman believed the serpent over God and the husband standing there right there with him with his dumb self didn't tell her no better not only did he not tell her any better when she gave it to him whatever you say baby I'll I'll have some too now Their commitment was supposed to be, I'm I'm making a point, and I'm not leaving the point that I'm trying to make. Their commitment was supposed to be to God. But they broke the commitment to God to make a commitment to somebody else. They made a commitment to the serpent. They made a commitment to self. They made a commitment to selfishness. Because if you read what the text says, it says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, Pleasing to the eye and profitable for gaining wisdom. She took. She ate. She gave to her husband. And he ate it too. When they did that, they they, they rejected their commitment to God in order to keep a commitment to somebody else. When you sin, that, that, that's the whole point of, of, of what God is saying here in this metaphor. When you sin, when you commit adultery, spiritual adultery, what you're doing is you're not just breaking a commitment to me, but you're making a commitment to somebody else. And it's an inferior commitment. How do you know it was inferior? Read chapter 2. Read chapter 2 of Hosea. You know that it's an inferior commitment because she ends up leaving Hosea and going back out to the street. Ain't that something? You've been in an air-conditioned house. 
and you're going to leave the air-conditioned house to go back on the street. You, you, you were getting three square meals a day. And you're going to leave three square meals a day to go back on the street. You had a washer and a dryer. And you're going to leave clean clothes to go back out on the street. And after a while, she ends up in the bondage of another man. Not remarried. She was in bondage. Not divorced and recommitted. She was in bondage. She became the slave of somebody else. Are you telling me, are you really telling me that it's so bad being God's child that you'd rather be a slave to somebody else? That's the choice that she made. And then God does something really, really pushy. Turn to Hosea chapter 3. Remember now, God told Hosea to go and find this woman, pick her up off the street, make her his wife. He did all of that. God told her to make children with her. He made a child with her while she made three children. When she went out on the street, do you think she took the children with her? No, she left the children with Hosea. Not just Hosea's child, but the other two children too. Left them all with Hosea. But you know what God says in chapter 3? Then God ordered me. Chapter 1, it says God spoke to me. Chapter 3, Hosea says God ordered me. That ain't, that, that ain't accidental language. Start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people. Even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. Do you see that? Let me ask you a question. I, I, I got seven minutes left. Let me ask you a question. If God said to you, treat somebody right who has mistreated you, what would you say? <laughs> if God said do right by somebody who's done wrong by you, what, what is it that you would say? If God said treat somebody fairly who has mistreated and cheated you, what would you say? And here's my point. He says it to all of us all the time. What, 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 I, what I am suggesting is not a hypothetical. It's an everyday. It's an everyday thing. You have heard it said, love your enemies. Love, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that use you and persecute you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If someone compels you to walk one mile, go to. If someone sues you for your coat, don't just give them the coat. Give them your cloak 
as well. Hosea, go get her. Go get her. She's still your wife. She, she, she ain't done right by you, but she's still your wife. She, she, she's cheated and she's lied and she's embarrassed you. She's been a source of hurt and pain and humiliation. Go get her and bring her back into the house and love her. Love your wife. It doesn't just say get her and bring her back. Love your wife again. Then he says, because that's what I've done with my folk. That's what I've done with you. You haven't been you haven't done right by me. And I don't care how many times I tell you, you still won't do right. By me. But I love you anyway. And I'm going to go back and get you and I'm going to bring you back. Even if you walk out again, I will bring you back. Even if you mistreat me again, I will bring you back. Even if you lie to me again, I will bring you back. That's how much I love you. You want to know what love is? God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hosea says, God, I don't want to do this. That's why it says he ordered me. He didn't want to do it. He says, but I will do it. But here's the thing. I can't just go get her. She belongs to somebody else. He paid for her. And in order to get her back, I have to pay a ransom. God says, go get your wife. Verse two, I did it. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him and by his stripes we are healed. He paid the price We cheated, we lied, we wandered. We committed adultery. We we embarrassed God. Do you remember when you used to leave your house and go out to party at night and your mom and daddy said, remember what your last name is? Don't embarrass my name. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember when you did wrong and the, the first thing they said was, you embarrassed Y'all, y'all remember that? Y'all remember how, how low you felt when, when they said that to you? And yet you embarrass God all the time. Christians who can't treat one another right. Christians who cuss one another. Christians who fight with one another. Christians who backstab one another. Christians who gossip one another. How dare you call yourselves Christians? Mohandas Gandhi once said, your Christ I love, but your Christians I can't abide. We bear his name, and yet we bring embarrassment to him all the time. And yet he went and got us back. The Son of Man came not into the world to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. He paid my price. And because he paid my price, I have the opportunity 
to start over again. There might be someone here tonight who haven't been a part of this Bible study. We want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Going to stand together and sing a verse of Just As I Am. And if there is one, we invite you to come.